The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ, God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, draw near now. Amen. It's been almost a month, almost 30 days, one lunar cycle of turning inward, of going deeper, of being quiet, of pausing and reflecting, of listening more intentionally, of hearing of discerning the times and remembering with the hope, the dream of the reset that is possible in resurrection. Part of that listening includes the chance today to travel back in time with the disciples, to remember Jesus's appearance on the evening of that day. That day after they'd scattered, after they'd watched Jesus's execution at the cross, after he was laid in the tomb. And that remembering is hard. The disciples had abandoned the weak and vulnerable Jesus. He'd gone down in their eyes without a fight, and they weren't sure they believed Mary Magdalene's account of his resurrection. So now what? We can hear their disappointment, their unmet expectations, and the expression of doubt as they gathered behind those doors. We hear the beginnings of those rumblings in verse 5 of chapter 14, when one of the disciples questions God, confessing his unknowing and wondering aloud, how 
can we know the way? Frozen, stuck, and uncertain of what to do next, locked up in fear, you can imagine the scene. What are we gonna do now? Well, if he is alive, as we've been told, where is he? These are the same questions that arise for believers in crisis today. Where is God in times of trouble? What is God's response to our suffering? God arises from the cry of our hearts and God's response to our suffering is presence. The answer to navigating through crisis is rooted in faith in that truth, not fear. So let's dive in. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came. It's hard to read this text without first remembering Mary Magdalene's encounter with Jesus in the garden. In response to her weeping, her sadness over the events of the past week, the complete and utter upheaval of the world as she's known it, Jesus shows up. His response to her suffering is presence. In calling her name, he makes himself known to her. The keeper, the steward of life, the great one in that garden calls her by name. Mary, he says, go, tell. Jesus steps into her fear to remind her of the mission. The God of such surprises isn't finished. Today's text presents another example of the God that shows up. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear, for fear of you fill in the blank. Well, that fear, in the middle of that, Jesus came. Jesus comes. He came to speak to us for such a time as this. In a time of fear and uncertainty, of dashed dreams, of vulnerability and grief, and so many closed doors, Jesus shows up. But he doesn't show up to simply save the day. This isn't an image of a golden and untouchable savior. He isn't walking around in a glistening white robe. He's dirty and working in a garden. He's in front of us, bleeding. He shows up to restore the bruised faith of his disciples, to remind them and us of the movement they'd signed up for. And he is brutally honest about just how hard that work will be. Jesus arrives in crisis, fully human to model for us a posture for survival. His response to our suffering is presence. Jesus steps into our fear with hope. Fear is a single story. And like the disciples, we are holed up with the single story of doom. We go to bed with and wake up with the single story of fear being told in every news cycle. But Jesus arrives to invite us into the truth of other stories, stories of courage, of peace and forgiveness, stories of the power of the spirit, stories of second chances. He reminds us that the awe-inspiring movement we signed up for is far from over, that there is more life to live, more work to do. I hear it like this. So this is me paraphrasing. 
There is no place I cannot be or inhabit, no boundary I cannot cross. The peace I offer is a communal encouragement and blessing. Pay careful attention. Sin is a disruption of your peace. Set aside disagreements by prioritizing it. You have the power to do this. See and tell the truth of war. Own your scars. Do as I do and keep going. Today's example of Jesus' appearance in the last five on Easter Sunday. It's the last of five on Easter Sunday. It is a simple story of the one crucified now risen, but there's more. There's the truth of the work and the power of showing up. Practicing, living into the story of resurrection is hard, but it is not impossible. This is no pretty story of easy faith and simple miracles. The text demands we sit with the disciples to feel with them, to question and cry with them, to open our hearts to the mystery and wisdom of a God we don't easily understand. Jesus asks us to see and touch, to enter into the intimacy of relationship with him, to inhabit the thin place, the thin place of a resurrected body to in our knowing experience a new life, a life of spirit-infused faith. We do the work of resurrection wounded, but we don't do it alone. God in Jesus is with us. We carry the deep marks of disappointment, grief, loneliness, fear. We bear these wounds and buoyed by Jesus, we believe. Experiencing resurrection changed Jesus, and it changes us. No one emerges from the event unscathed. It makes us new and sets us free. But resurrection isn't magic. Jesus tells us it's grace, the grace to believe, the grace to keep going. Thanks be to God.